This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, I'm very pleased to uh, welcome in my first person from the political world into my Holding Court podcast and uh, former senator from Louisiana, John Bro, And he, of course, he was in the House for seven terms as well before going into the Senate. But I know him because he's got one heck of a tennis game. Senator, how is the game holding up during these uh, crazy times? Well, Pat, thanks for letting me uh, be on your program. Uh, the tennis game is, is holding together for an old man. I think that uh, particularly at a time like we're engaged in right now, it's good to be able to have our tennis friends around the country getting out and playing and as much as they can and getting fresh air. So my goal in life is to win the national hundred and over <laughs> by being the only entry. <laughs> that's uh, funny. Well, listen, uh, I was going through some of your old interviews uh, in, in from your political days. And in one of the interviews uh, was a great story you told when you were, you were being interviewed yourself, having uh, made the move from the House for so many years to go into the Senate. And I believe it was Lloyd Benson and George Mitchell. They would they would interview a lot of the youngsters. Well, I guess they weren't youngsters, but the new Senate uh, members. And they ask you sort of, uh, you know, why you want to be in the Senate. So could you recount that story for me and my audience? I think that was pretty uh, insightful. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I was in the House for... 14 years and started running for the Senate when Senator Russell Long retired and there was an opening in the Senate seat. And so I was being interviewed by uh, Senator uh, Lloyd Benson and Senator George Mitchell, both of which were really active tennis players. They Mm -hmm. played as often as they possibly could. And all the people, they would ask, why do you want to be in the Senate? And they would give, you know, I want to serve my country. I want to pass great legislation. And I knew them very well. So sort of jokingly, I said, well, I want to run for the Senate because y'all have a tennis court over here. <laughs> and the House of Representatives didn't have one. Right, right. And they wouldn't let the House members play. Uh, they had a good laugh over it. But there actually is a court in the Senate Hart building uh, that Senator Bennett Johnson helped put together. And it's used fairly actively by, mm-hmm. by members and staff. So it's a good uh, addition to the gym for exercise purposes. Well, I was lucky enough to be able to play there a couple of times with you back in your days, and you've always been uh, a great supporter just of tennis in general. Uh, Why don't you tell me a little bit, Senator, how you got into tennis and how it started for you. You know, you grew up in Louisiana. By the way, I spent years, many years, going to Shreveport and Lafayette to play big junior tournaments over the years, so I have great memories of, of being there. But how did you get started in the game? Well, it was interesting. Neither one of my parents played tennis, Pat, and I didn't have an older brother like you uh, that played a little bit of tennis. So I just uh, decided it was something watching people play that I wanted to get out and try it. I played a lot of football and Mm -hmm. ran track and played baseball and was fairly active in my hometown, which was very small and we didn't have any type of good courts at all. We had a chain link fence for the net. Mm. But uh, I enjoyed it. I went to a tennis camp with Clarence Mabry down in West Texas. And uh, from there, I, uh, I started playing and enjoyed it and, and played. Uh, I played in college. I was a captain of the tennis team at the University of Louisiana. So we were able to transit uh, into tennis, but not because of any brother or, or, mm-hmm. or parent that was interested in it. I just found it was an interest 
that I enjoyed. I, I, I love whacking the ball and uh, found I was about the right size to hopefully be a little bit successful. And uh, we ended up playing in college for four years. And, and obviously playing the other sports as you did, obviously football is king in, in Louisiana. Did you, play in your, did you play in your high school team as well? Was it something that you liked the individual aspect of it? Because obviously uh, you were known, by the way, in the Senate for being a team player, someone that you know, could bridge the gap between the Republicans and the Democrats. That was something that you did very well throughout your career. So did you find that tennis sort of helped you in that sense, you know, obviously being social with people and whether it's singles, doubles, et cetera? Well, when I went off to tennis camp, we didn't even have a tennis team in high school. <clears throat> but my football coach was very concerned about me doing that because he was afraid I was going to go off to tennis camp and lose a lot of weight because of all the running in the, the hot summer. So he was sort of discouraging me from playing <laughs> tennis because he thought I was going to end up being too small to play football. So I didn't get a lot of encouragement in high school, but I continued it. And I knew that when I went to college, I, I could uh, study and, and, uh, uh, and, and play tennis and still survive the rigors of college. But if I tried to play football in college, there was no way I was going to be able to be uh, able to do my classwork and play football. But I couldn't work out that I could play tennis and do the classwork as well. And we really enjoyed it. Made a lot of friends. I tell you, I mean, you, the friends you make in the tennis world mm -hmm. are really become friends for life. I mean, you know, in the political world, there were so many people that when I first got started, I started calling on because I knew them from tennis, mm -hmm. not from politics. Right. But they were friends when I played tennis, and they were friends after that. I mean, tennis is really a game I've always said. It's about life. It teaches you competition. It teaches you teamwork And when you're playing doubles, and it's something that uh, – you can carry on for as long as you can live. I mean, it's something that it's about life and it's for your whole life. And it's something that I think that's why people enjoy it so much. Well, you're a young 76, uh, Senator, and you're still going strong. But, uh, you know, when it, you, you bring up great points because one of the great things that I try to get through to, to young kids and to parents at our tennis academy here in New York and my years working for the USTA as well is tennis teaches you – that you got to come back from failure because every tennis player, no matter how good you are, you miss shots, you lose matches, you don't, you don't win, you, but you keep coming back to try to figure out how to get better. And I know your days in the Senate, you know, you've often said it's not, you know, and, and I've heard you compare it to what ha what's happening today and more recently that these days it's about winning. You know, one, my side's got to win, your side's got to lose. But when you were in the Senate, it was more about how can we do something where we're maybe not going to get everything we want but get most of what we want and do something good for the country and pass a bill that is good for everybody. Well, you're, you're right on, Patrick. I think now it's, uh, uh, they don't get together and they blame each other for failure. And I think the American public would much prefer uh, congressmen and women getting together and working out a compromise. And then you can fight over who did it. Mm -hmm. But at least you'd be arguing about success and who accomplished it rather than arguing about failure and whose fault it was that it failed. So, I mean, the same thing, and tennis is about winning. It teaches you how to win and also teaches you how to lose. Uh, and I think that's a very important lesson for life. So that's why I think it's such a, a good game for everybody. We need to get those senators nowadays out using that tennis court a little bit more. I mean, how do you, how do you book the Senate um, tennis court, um, Senator It's Brown? really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. We sometimes got 
some conflicts with some of the older senators. I would book the court, and then I'd go up there, and I'd find Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska mm-hmm. already playing, and he was chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, and I wasn't about to tell him to get off the court. I just said, <laughs> right. oh, well, I'll try it another time. Right. But, uh, we had some great people play up there. I hit with Andre Agassi up yep. there, and George Bush, I mean, right after he lost his last election, I mean, he called Senator Bennett Johnson and I up and asked us to go play tennis with him, and shows you the type of person he was, that even though you might not have been mm. on the same side of him uh, politically, you were a tennis friend. And he called us, and about four days after he lost the election, we were back on that court in the Senate playing doubles uh, with uh, uh, President George Bush. That's the kind of guy he was, and that's how tennis brought us together. That's amazing. And I know, I know you have a lot of respect for uh, Senator Mitchell, George Mitchell, and I've seen him for years and years. He's participated in the event my good buddy Cliff Drysdale at ESPN that he's had for his charity down there in, in Florida. I know he's got a place down there as well, and he's, he's still going. I mean, he's still playing, and you must have spent quite a bit of time. I know you spent a, time, a lot of time working with him in the Senate, but also playing tennis alongside. Pretty competitive guy, isn't he? Oh, he was a good athlete. You know, he played a lot of basketball in college and high school and very competitive, always wanted to uh, fight to the very end. Now, you you mentioned Drysdale. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether Drysdale is still playing. He calls it playing. I think he just just puts his straw hat on and holds the racket in his arms and walks around and looks good. (laughs) Yeah, and and he likes to get, you know, needle everybody. That's it. That's what he likes to do. Yeah. He likes it. Oh, and he's very good at it. Yeah, he's great at it. He's he's a a good – he was a guy that I'm watching. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, he's just a good friend. I tease him. He teases me all the time. Yeah, he, he kind of um, helped me when I first got my start in <clears throat> broadcasting when I first started with ESPN. Him and Fred Stolle were two of the all-time greats. So Cliff is still there. We're hoping um, that uh, so we're going to get some professional tennis back. But as you said, Senator, you saw my piece on the t- Today Show, which was uh, a week or so ago, trying to promote – uh, tennis being such a great sport for social distancing in the times we're in right now. You told me just before we came on that you've been able to continue to play and, and work out. So tell me what that's been like from the standpoint of just you know being safe, being healthy, and getting out on the courts. Well, we're down in, in South Florida now in the Key Largo area, and uh, we have Hartrue clay courts, and uh, they've been allowing the uh, uh, amateurs to play on the courts uh, as long as they, you know, you, you keep in social distancing, particularly when you're playing singles. The, the pros are not able uh, up until two weeks ago to teach lessons, but they're coming back now and they're teaching. And, I mean, if you're outdoors in fresh air mm-hmm. and the sun and, you, and, you, and you're playing with people that you know you're keeping a respectful distance from uh, and that they're washing and sanitizing their hands before they go on the court so that when they're touching the tennis ball, they're not infecting it with, the coronavirus, I think you can feel fairly comfortable playing tennis outdoors, getting the exercise that you need. And I think that uh, it's something that I think works well in the tennis world. Now, I've seen your game, and it's pretty solid, Senator, but how would you describe your tennis game? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Well, I got more weaknesses than anything else. They tell me <laughs> Don't we all? They tell me I have <laughs> – we all do. They tell me I have a real good forehand, but mm-hmm. I, I, I questioned my backhand. I'm – I remember one time when uh, Stan Smith presented me an award in in New York uh, for the Rolex Achievement Award, and it was a brand-new watch. And I said, 
guys, this is really good, Sam, but that's not really what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of gasped. And he said, well, what did you really want? I said, well, I really wanted a good top spin backhand. <laughs> that could be <laughs> and, a little trickier. Stan, yeah. yeah, Stan said it's easier to give you the watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that takes a little more practice to get, to get ready for that. So the U.S. Open – you know, I've been speaking to some of my friends over at the USTA. John, obviously, you're connected in the in the political world as things start to reopen a little bit in different parts of the country. What's what's your take on where you think this is headed for? You know, the rest of the summer and obviously into the fall with with sports, but also schools and in general. Where do, where do you think this is headed? I mean, or or are we all in this sort of together that we we don't really know what the next move is going to be here? Well, nobody can call it with certainty, but I think we're headed in the right direction, Pat. I think that, you know, if we can maintain the social distancing, doing the test, the testing that is so important uh, to find out where the virus is located around the country. And then as we proceed to a treatment, which we're making progress on, mm-hmm. plus a potential vaccine by, you know, the end of this uh, uh, year, probably sometimes in, the, in December, we'd be well on our way to putting this virus behind us. But I think we have to be careful. I think that you'll start, continue to see reopenings, but as long as you're testing people, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I could conceivably see the, uh, the U.S. Open uh, occurring if you check in people that are going into the stadium and maybe reduce mm-hmm. the size of the uh, participation. It may be possible to do it. I don't know if you've heard anything about what they're attempting to do or not at this stage. Well, I know they're considering doing it, Senator, with uh, very limited fans or even with no fans and bringing the players in. Obviously, tennis is tricky because the players have to come from all over the world, unlike in some of the sports leagues here where, you know, the NBA can kind of have all their players in, in one location. They know they're coming from within the country, hockey, et cetera, baseball. Tennis, you've got to have players coming from all over the world to make it what it is, the U.S. Open, meaning it's open to anyone from around the world that's ranked high enough. But I know that there's some serious consideration to do it with, uh, as you suggested, limited or even no fans. Uh, there has been some talk about possibly moving it from out of New York City, but I think that the USA is leaning towards really wanting to do it in New York. It certainly would be a great message, Senator, for um, for the world, you know, for New York City to have a big event like that and for the country. So I think from a morale standpoint, and obviously in addition to the economics of tennis in general, it would be helpful. But I think it would, you know, certainly be a boost for the country overall, don't you? Absolutely. And I think New York is the right location. New York has done so well from becoming the epic center of the uh, coronavirus outbreak in the world to now being on the down uh, upswing and the number of cases going dramatically down and the number of deaths still too many, but dramatically mm-hmm. going down. So I think that New York is a prime example of if you do it right with the leadership of the elected officials, the mayor and, and the governor Cuomo, uh, they've done a really, I think a terrific job. And if you test the players that are participating, I mean, you could test them almost every day if you mm-hmm. would like, you know, and, and make sure that they not, uh, having the virus, they could participate and play, I think, with safety, no matter what part of the world they come from. So I think that New York hopefully would be the site, maybe with some limited fans, and then, of course, the television uh, would allow the people all over the world to watch the tournament, which I 
think would be really terrific. Yeah, that would be great. Obviously, the vibe would be a lot different, certainly with, with no fans and not a packed stadium like you see in the, in the finals of these big tournaments. Now, the, the, the reason you agreed to come on center on this show is because you wanted to promote tennis and talk tennis. So I'm not going to dive into politics too much with you because, first of all, I don't know enough about it to put you on the spot. But, but I know that you've talked about it publicly in the time that you were in the Senate, as I sort of intimated earlier, that, you know, there were collegial, maybe that's the wrong word, but working together a little bit more. And that doesn't appear to be happening as much these days. Can you sort of summarize why you think that's the case? Well, I think you know, one real reason is they just don't know each other like we did. And when I was there, we, we traveled together. We spent weekends together. Our families got to know each other. Uh, they don't do that as much, uh, or hardly at all now. And I think that, you know, I've always said that if you uh, had a barbecue with your family, with uh, a member of the opposite party on the weekend, it's pretty difficult to stab them in the back on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And because they're friends, you have different philosophies and sure. different viewpoints. But if you get to know each other, then you understand where everybody's coming from and you have a, a better feel for their politics, knowing where they came from. They don't do enough of that anymore. I know that uh, that sometimes when I was there, the, the leadership of the two parties spoke more in one day than the day some of the leaders speak in three months because they don't talk to each other personally. Uh, and you can't run a company. You can't run a partnership. Certainly can't run a country if the people in charge uh, are not talking to each other and knowing where they're coming from. And why would you say that's the case? Well, I mean, why is it drifted into that realm where they don't, communicate with each other just just dug in their heels too much on their positions yeah. or are they trying to protect their own jobs or 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 the people that they're representing i think what has happened patrick is the fact that people uh, the, the, the congress and i think around the country have become further to the right and further to the left which means that the middle of the spectrum politically is smaller than it's ever been mm. uh, if you go farther to the right and farther to the left you have fewer people left uh, who can operate out of the middle. And I always tried, uh, attempted to operate out of the middle in order to put together a coalition and create a majority. That probably left people on the far left and the far right off the train, mm-hmm. but at least you got a majority. And I think right, right now it's gotten too divisive. And I think when the American people understand that, then they'll start, I think, supporting people who argue about being more of a centrist and more operating out of the middle than from the far right or the far left. Now, I know when you uh, retired from the Senate, Senator, that you, uh, at one point, you, you didn't you consider running for governor of Louisiana because you've been one of the most popular uh, political figures in the history of, of the great state of Louisiana. So was that something you, you considered sort of getting back into it? What was the determining factor for you to say, you know what, I've had a great run for 20 years in the house another you know 15 16 years in the senate it's time it's time to move into the private sector yeah i think that's what it was pretty much i think at some point people stay in government too long Mm -hmm. uh they pass their time and their effectiveness and it's time to make room for other people and uh and new blood to get involved and you know there's uh there's not unlike in tennis there's not categories the 45 the 55 (laughs) right 65 the 75 Everybody in, in politics are competing against each other in the same age bracket. And I think that it's always time to let you and younger people get involved. And I wanted to do something other than uh, always be in government and always be in politics. And, you know, now I'm a lawyer practicing in Washington, and mm-hmm. we were able to have a, a different career. And 
still actively involved in helping others, but uh, it was time uh, after spending 34 years in the political world as an elected official, it was a time to move on and do something else, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Would you say that you have more t- had more time uh, when you were in government to play tennis or more time out when you're working out of government or both? I think I made time. I think I made time <laughs> to do plenty of tennis in both venues. Right? I think that that's a question of scheduling your time. I mean, schedule your tennis early in the morning before you go to work or after you leave in the evening. And the same thing now. And, uh, you know, I probably found a lot more people willing to play with me when I was in the Senate than I do now. <laughs> right. Interesting. But yeah. it still it still works. I had a, a great opportunity being in the Congress with meeting and playing with some of the, the great old guys uh, uh, in the history of this game. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate. I mean, uh, uh, playing with Fred Stiley mm-hmm. and, I mean, uh, Owen Davison and you and Andre Agassi and uh, Drysdale and uh, – you know, all the great old guys we had a chance to play with. I called it hit and giggle, but it was a lot of fun. And and uh, Roy Emerson was one of my favorites. And those guys were terrific and taught me a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a great game. As you said, uh, if we could have more of the senators these days going to play some tennis together and working out their differences there, it might make for uh, better government overall. Now, um, looking at the, the bigger picture now, uh, you, what, what are you going to need to do, Senator, to dominate in the 80s, the 85s, and 90s, and then on to 100? What, what needs to improve in your game? I need to, uh, to learn better how to play people in my age category. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I'm down here, I'm playing with people that are really a lot better than me, and they tend to hit the ball a lot harder, which makes me hit a lot harder. Then when you move up into your own age bracket, people have a different game. There's a lot more lobbing, a lot more drop shots. Drop shots, shots yeah, that, yeah. Drop shots are great. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I won't even. I, I tend not to even want to run after a drop shot because I said that's not tennis, <laughs> but it is. I mean, right. it's an effective yeah. weapon, and I gotta. I have to learn how to play people that are very effective in hitting drop shots and lobs, and I mean it's an effective game, mm. and if you learn how to master it, you can wreak havoc on people like me, who don't play that type of game. So i got to play a little bit of everybody's game, I guess, I'll, if I'm going to survive. I will be more than happy to give you a lesson and show you a little bit, um, a couple tips on the drop shot. Funny you mentioned that because I hear from parents all the time and from young kids, usually in the 10 and under, 12 and under, they say, uh, how'd you do in your tournament? How'd it go? Well, I played really well, and then I lost because this kid just moonballed me. And then the parent complains, well, that's not tennis. That's mo-. I said, of course that's tennis. Uh, that, yeah. that, that's absolutely tennis. Is part, part of tennis absolutely. is, and so you have to learn how to do that. I also, before I let you go, and I so appreciate you giving me this time to discuss this and your interest in tennis, I want to thank you, Senator, for all you've done, particularly your the John Bro Tennis Classic that you've had for years uh, in, uh, supporting college tennis because you talked about that, how you played at University of Louisiana. I know you went to grad school at LSU, but your the event that you've put on with your name on it, because I'm a big college tennis supporter, played four years at Stanford, and I tell the parents and our kids all the time, best thing you can do for your tennis with your tennis is to pursue uh, the ability to play in college. Lo and behold, maybe you could get even a scholarship. And if you could be good enough to be a pro, that's a whole nother thing. But college is, uh, is the key is the key to people being successful. And I appreciate you doing that for many years, supporting that event uh, there in Louisiana. 
Yeah, it's not, you know, all these guys in the college realm, I mean, what, one or two percent of them will ever make it mm-hmm. to the pro ranks. So right. they have to be able to fall back on something that they learned in college from an educational standpoint and to be able to work the rest of their lives. And also, I think, as you pointed out, uh, uh, being in college, I mean, you make friends and you make friends for life uh, during that process. And I think it's a it's an excellent match. Yeah, well, some of the, the, the best friends that I have till this day, i got a lot of great friends from Stanford, a lot of great friends from the tennis, professional tennis tour, obviously broadcasting as well. But my best friends still to this day, Senator, are the guys that I played junior tennis with and we met when we were like 10, 11 years old. They're still my best. None of them played pro tennis. They all played in college. And those are the guys that are sort of my go-to group of four or five great friends that we've all gone off and done our own thing, but it was tennis that's kept us together for all these years. So it sounds like you've got a lot of that in your life as well. Yeah, they're friends for life. I mean, like I said, uh, when I first started running, they were the people I went to. They helped me put together my campaigns. They helped me while I was there. And we're still friends and we still play tennis. It's been great memories. And, you know, it's all because of this game that you and I and so many people I uh, really love. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about competition, uh, which is what it, life is all about to a certain extent. Yeah, competition and then cooperation as well. So we could use a little bit more in our politics. I'm sure you'll agree with that, Senator. And uh, I appreciate you so much coming on. Thank you so much. Keep hitting that ball, and I'll be looking for you out on the courts and in the uh, winning USTA titles in your 80s. Hi, right, listen, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always ready. Give me a call and <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. You got it. I appreciate it. All the best, Senator. You too. Bye-bye. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.